So that's Matthew 26, verses 57, um, starting at verse 57. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high high priest stood up and said to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spat in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? This is the word of the Lord. We are starting a new series uh, called To the Cross and Beyond, looking at Jesus' journey to the cross in Matthew's Gospel. Judgment is everywhere, isn't it, today? Everyone has a judgment or opinion on things, and society sort of pushes us to all agree with one another. And if we don't agree, if we don't share the same opinions, you get cancelled. And it seems that it's got a lot worse over the past few years. There's a lot of angry opinions. People are easily triggered. Anything and everything seems to set them off. But judgment also impacts our lives. Sometimes it's a little bit. What am I gonna wear today? What's the weather like? Sometimes it's a lot more significantly, like the economy. And we all make judgments or decisions. And sometimes we base those decisions on information that we have. For example, I I look at a map uh, and I follow it. Or I follow a doctor's advice as opposed to Google's advice sometimes. Um, Sometimes we make judgments based on what we want, based on our emotions. I don't care what you think, I wanna do it this way. And sometimes we're influenced by others. And there's a whole industry uh, for this on social media. 
buy this energy drink because I have the most hits or the most subscribers or the most likes. And maybe, maybe in the future it'll be an AI chatbot. Watch this space. But most times, it's simply the loudest voice who wants to promote their own agenda. It's often the case at work or maybe with family. And why do we, why do we sometimes trust some judgments and not others? And maybe it's to do with the authority of the one making them and whether they are trustworthy. This morning, I want us all to think about whose judgment do you trust in? And more importantly, how does it impact you? So whose judgment do you trust in? And how does it impact you? Our passage today is full of judgment. Did you notice it? There are, in fact, two judgments and two verdicts. So please do keep your Bibles open. Um, we'll be looking at chapter 26, our passage, and the wider chapter and the odd journey into the Old Testament as well. So read, um, let's read um, verse 57 and 58. This sets the scene. Let me read from verse 57. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest. There, the teachers of the law and the elders assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and he sat down with the guards to see the outcome. So this sets our scene. Jesus has been arrested in secret uh, at night, and he's been brought to Caiaphas, the high priest, and the religious leaders. All resembles a sort of courtroom scene, uh, and they put Jesus on trial. It's the high priest and the religious leaders versus Jesus. Peter is also there, but he's on the outside and he's looking in to see how this all pans out. But more about him next week. And this is also a very special passage for me as, as I enacted this very scene in the Easter play back in primary school. However, I was playing Caiaphas. I had to wear a judge's wig and I had to pronounce judgment on Jesus, looking down my nose at him. And in a very cruel and evil voice, I had to condemn him to death. But more about that play later. So we have Jesus on trial here and there are two judges, both offering their own verdicts. So we'll look at judge number one, Caiaphas. And Caiaphas was a high priest. He's a spiritual leader of Israel. He's a prominent figure. He represented God, uh, God's people before God. And he did this by going to, into the holiest place of the temple uh, and offered sacrifices on, on the people's behalf to God. He knew the scriptures and he taught God's laws. But... He's not all that he seems. He's already made his mind up about Jesus before the trial. And let's look at the beginning of our chapter. So let's look at verse four of chapter 26. So chapter 26, verse four, it reads, and they, and that's Caiaphas and the, and the religious leaders, they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly 
and to kill him. See, from the outset, right from the start of our chapter, we see him scheming and plotting murder, which is definitely breaking one of the Ten Commandments. He has completely dismissed Jesus' miracles and his sinless life. And that's what the whole gospel talks about. And if Jesus was fake, if he was a liar, they should have brought these things up to the trial. Surely, if he was lying, they would have got their guy. But no, Caiaphas just needed some false witnesses to incriminate Jesus and to get him out of the way. Let's come back to our passage. Verse 59 to 61, let me read. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any. The many false witnesses came forward. And finally, two came forward and declared, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Now, the the word Sanhedrin there means just the gathering of the religious leaders. And in the Old Testament, there was a law that says for for a fair trial, you need two or three witnesses. And that, that makes sense for a fair conviction. But in our passage, they tried to find false witnesses. And that's to satisfy their own conclusion. But they were unsuccessful. And the two that finally do come forward, they don't provide enough evidence to um, charge Jesus. So naturally, in the first part of verse 63, he gave no answer. He remained silent. So what's Caiaphas and the religious leaders' verdict on Jesus? Well, after listening to Jesus' own statement about himself, which we'll look at in a second, he accuses him of blasphemy. He then asks the courtroom a question at the, at the start uh, of verse 66. He asks, what do you think? Followed by the response, he is worthy of death, they answered. They condemn him to death on the charge of blasphemy. And because God's name and his character are holy, profaning his name or character or claiming to be God is speaking blasphemy. And that was a sin that deserved death in the Old Testament. And that was for Israel's own protection. So this is a sin deserving death, of course, unless it's God himself who is speaking. And so, in verse 66, in condemning Jesus, both Caiaphas and the religious leaders give their verdict. He isn't God, he's a blasphemer. He deserves death. So now, let's look at Jesus' judgment and verdict. So enter judge number two, Jesus. And throughout this gospel, Jesus has been challenging the religious leaders, hypocrisy and self-righteousness and false religion. And that's why they wanted to get rid of him. And it looks like this has now caught up with him. In the previous section to this chapter, we saw him being arrested in secret whilst he was with his disciples on the Mount of Olives 
And then we saw that he was betrayed by one of his own and the rest deserted him. Jesus doesn't look powerful. In fact, he looks weak and pathetic standing before the council of religious leaders. But all is not what it seems. Jesus had performed miracles throughout this gospel. He had healed the sick, he had cast out demons, he'd raised the dead, he'd calmed the wind and the waves, he'd fed thousands with scraps of food. He was sinless. He had done nothing that was worthy of him being arrested and that's why it was done in secret. On top of all of this, he had predicted all of the events that bring him to the cross. He predicted who would betray him and to whom and why and what happens next which will be his resurrection so what grounds is he condemned on well for Caiaphas to incriminate Jesus he demands in verse 63 I charge you under oath by the living God tell us if you are the Messiah the Son of God And the title Messiah refers to God's promised king. It's a, it's a king that the people of Israel have been waiting for, and it's the Hebrew word for Christ. So let's see Jesus' response in verse 64. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. And this response gets the high priest so angry that he tears his clothes and condemns Jesus to death. What makes him so angry? It's because Jesus claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And just as we saw false witnesses trying to support Caiaphas' charge, Jesus also brings forth two witnesses speaking about him. These witnesses, however, are not false, but they're from the Old Testament. So this is when we're turning back to the Old Testament. I want you to turn to page 893 in the Church Bibles. We're looking at Daniel chapter 7. And please do keep a finger in Matthew 26. We'll be back there soon. So we're looking at Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. page 893 so let me read from verse 13 of Daniel chapter 7 in my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence he was given authority and glory and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshipped him his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. See, this, this is a prophetic vision from the Old Testament of a glorious divine man. Son of man simply means a human being, but, but the fact that he's coming on the clouds from heaven makes him divine because heaven is where God dwells. And this son of man approaches the throne of God himself 
and he's given authority, he's given glory and sovereign power, and all nations and all peoples of every language worshipped him. So this makes him an eternal king, a divine king promised by God, the Messiah, who is the nature of God himself. And you see, Jesus is claimed to be this Messiah, and that's why he uses the title Son of Man for himself. So, whenever you see Jesus refer to himself as the Son of Man, this is the picture he wants you to think of. A glorious, everlasting, divine king with all power and dominion. The Messiah. Now, we have a second witness statement. We don't need to turn to it, um, but I'll put it on the screen. Um, this is Psalm 110, first verse of it. Let me read for you, Psalm 110, verse one. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And in this Psalm, King David speaks of a special Lord who will sit at God's right hand. He is symbolic, this is symbolic of the hand of power and might and judgment. And it's further emphasized with, with the fact that his enemies are his footstool. They are crushed under his feet. So when Jesus is asked under oath the question, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God, he must answer truthfully. And this is why he brings forward these witnesses these prophecies from the Old Testament. But if Jesus is the Messiah, why does he seem so weak and allow himself to be condemned? Well, Jesus isn't just the Messiah who will come to judge. He's also God's Passover lamb. So look back uh, with me, come back to chapter 26 of Matthew. And let's look at verse two. Richard read this out earlier this morning. Jesus says in Matthew 26, verse two, as you know, the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Why would the Son of Man be crucified well you see this whole chapter chapter 26 is set at the time of the Jewish Passover we looked at the festival some uh, in some detail back in uh, last summer 2022 but as a quick reminder it remembers Passover remembers the final plague of the Exodus story where God rescues his people from the Egyptians but both the Egyptians and Israel deserve God's judgment but for Israel, God provided a substitute, a lamb that had to be killed in place of the firstborn son of that household. And so Jesus specifically relates his upcoming crucifixion to the Passover. So Jesus is both the Messiah, the son of man, and God's Passover lamb. 
And furthermore, this is shown in our chapter uh, in, in verses 26 and 28 during the Last Supper, which we will celebrate later on today. As Jesus celebrates this Passover with his disciples, he offers them the bread. And that represents Jesus' body torn and the wine that represents his blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, not only is Jesus God's Messiah, the judge of all, but he is judged, he is condemned to death as our substitute for the forgiveness of sins. It's through his death that we have life. Let me just repeat that. Not only is Jesus God's Messiah, the judge of all, but he is judged. He is condemned to death as our substitute for the forgiveness of sins. Through his death, we have life. And therefore, God's judgment passes over those who believe in Jesus. And as we come back to today's passage, this judgment is further emphasized after they pronounce their verdict. We read in verses 67 to 68, then they spit on his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Jesus is oppressed and afflicted, yet he doesn't open his mouth. He's like a silent lamb led to slaughter. So what is Jesus' verdict? Well, he's the Messiah. He's God's promised king. And he, in fact, will return to judge all mankind. And he'll be given an everlasting kingdom and worship and his enemies will be crushed under his feet. And he is also God's Passover lamb, slain for the forgiveness of our sins. And so this is why he looks pathetic whilst on trial. This is why he allows himself to be humiliated, to be treated unfairly, to be judged and condemned to death. And all the while, he's in full control over all that is happening to him. So, we've seen two judgments and two verdicts on who Jesus is. One is grounded on selfish ambition and false witnesses. And if that is true, it has no implications on us. The other is grounded on Old Testament prophecy and miracles and predictions. And if that is true, it has eternal implications. And so, in the voice of verse 66 in our passage, I want to ask you, what do you think? Whose judgment do you trust in? Is it Caiaphas's verdict that Jesus is a blasphemer, worthy of death? He's made his mind up about Jesus and wants him out of the way. And that's not too different from some people today, is it? 
they want their own way. They would rather God doesn't get involved with their lives. And often people have already made their minds up about Jesus without even looking at his words, but rather happy to listen to the opinion of others. And this is exactly what my mom did as a devout religious Hindu. She didn't want to know anything about Jesus, even from her own brothers who were Christians. However, do you remember that Easter play I mentioned earlier from my primary school where I played the evil Caiaphas? Well, a few years later, that play script ended up in my sock drawer of all drawers. And one day, my mum was clearing out that drawer, as mums tend to do, and she stumbled across it. She was intrigued by these random pieces of paper stapled together, and she started reading it. And she read about Jesus' trial and his crucifixion, which led her to wonder, Jesus is innocent. Why are they being so cruel to him? Why did he die for me? I hated him and his people. And a few years later, this led her to trust in Jesus' death for her sins and worship him as her Lord. She trusted in his judgment and that was enough for her to trust him for the rest of eternity. So, whose judgment do you trust in? And I hope that you've seen from our passage today that we can trust in Jesus' judgment. He is the one who speaks with all authority and power and dominion. He is doing his Father's will and allowing himself to be God's Passover lamb offered by the high priest. Did you see that? Jesus is God's Passover lamb being bound and offered by the high priest. He will come again to judge the world, but right now he offers salvation. So listen to his judgment. Receive his offer of forgiveness as the Passover lamb and be shielded from his future judgment. Now most of you here will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but how does that truth impact your lives? Now as we saw at the beginning, Judgments, especially those with authority, impact us significantly. So what difference would it make for you on Monday, perhaps, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, that he will come again? How does it change how you live day by day? Where you live, who you marry, what you do with your time, what is most important to you? Whose judgment do you trust in? Look to Jesus, the true, sinless, perfect judge with all authority, the Messiah who is judged in our place and who will return to judge all mankind. Let me lead us in a short prayer. Our gracious Father, we thank you for Jesus, the Messiah. We thank you that he has all power and dominion and glory. And we thank you for his sacrificial death for us as your Passover lamb. We pray that we may trust in him.
and have an eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.